regardless of its principle. Say out loud, priesthood of all beliefs. That is a term used in most churches. It is a reminder that we all are called of God. And uh, that means you, you are part of the priesthood of all beliefs. All of God that has helped many people to Jesus Christ. We are blessed this morning to have our lay leader, Mark, come to come and share, and also the chair of our board of stewards, John Hightower, Mark, and Mark, and appreciate them willing to share again. Dave Jensen was not able to come with us. They're going to sort of tag team some of the things that Dave is going to share, but we do appreciate them. Thank you all. Good morning.
and Robin Scott put together. It was an entire uh, conference. We had leaders from all over it. We were talking about changes in the, in the church and things we must do and kind of awakening, a sense of urgency we need to take care of. I want to share a few of those things with you real quick. And one of the things Robin said was things are changing, obviously. And one of the big changes, people aren't looking for a friendly church. They're looking for friends in church. Friends in church. They're looking for a church that is engaging. Obviously, reading is important. Being friendly is important. But it's more important to reach out there, take a risk, get a little uncomfortable, and connect and engage. Rick Warren, the author of A Purpose Driven Church, said people ask five questions when they consider joining a church. Five questions, I'll go them quickly. First question they ask themselves, do I fit in here? Do I fit in here? Am I accepted or am I judged? Do I fit in here? Number two, does anyone want to know me? They just say hello, walk away. It's a question of friendship making a relationship. Anybody want to make a relationship? Am I needed at this church? Oftentimes, when people visit, they're coming from an earlier church experience, an experience they had where they were very much involved. People want to be involved, be part of the church community, to engage. It's a question about value. <coughs> question four, what is the advantage? Question five, what is the part of me as a member? Taking risks. Being an enlightened church. Being a little uncomfortable. I want to share with you a story in the Bible about risk-taking, about stepping out, and about service. I'll set the stage with you. It's a very popular story. You've all heard it dozens and dozens of times. It's found in John chapter 6, verse 11 verses. It's a story about Jesus performing the miracle, the fish and the loaves. I'll set the stage. Jesus is across the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Each crowd is gathered. They've been following him all along, waiting to see what type of miracles. He gathers his leaders around him, kind of look over this crowd. And Jesus, this is a teaching moment. And so, let's talk about the rest of the story. I'll read again with chapter 6. First, after this, Jesus crawled over the far side of the Sea of Galilee, known as the Sea of Tyrus. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs he had given. And Jesus climbed up the hill, sat down with his disciples, and looked around. It was nearly time for Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a large crowd of people coming to look for him. He turned to his lieutenants. He turned to Philip, and he asked. Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we were from us, we went out of faith. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, There's a young boy here, five barley loaves, two fish. But what good is that with such a huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down and sit. So they all sat down in the grassy slope. The men alone numbered 5,000, and Jesus took out the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to his people. 
Afterwards, he didn't say the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. All right, so that's the city. That's the scripture. So we got a couple main characters in the story. We've got Jesus. Jesus, of course, that's said, he's using this as a teaching experience. A couple other people involved in this scene. You've got Philip. Now, Philip is saying what we all say sometimes. When we're asked to do something different or uncomfortable, right? We get a little frustrated. The first thing we say, it can't be done. It costs too much money. It can't happen. I mean, have you ever been built, asked to do something different? You spend all your energy going, no, that, that's not going to work. But we've always got this way. There's no reason to try. And then you have Andrew. It's not the Peter's brother. He basically said, it wasn't his job. He wouldn't support him. And he started recommending somebody else. Has that ever happened to you? The preacher calls and asks, hey, can you get involved? Really can't, but I know somebody that can. <laughs> I know somebody can. Have you ever been in here and said, I think I won't finger somebody else instead of wanting to get myself and get involved. And that's what happened in this case. And then lastly, there's a little boy, a real hero of this entire story. And he's a hero for three reasons. The first reason, he's a hero in my book, is that he gave what he had. The boy didn't have much, but he gave what he had. The story here is, folks, never underestimate what God can do to ordinary people. Limited resources, given to God in faith. If you want to be used by God, just be available and give when he arrives. Second reason, he gave all of you. He gave all five of those, both fish. He didn't hold back. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you just kind of gave a minimum when you were asked? He didn't. He gave it all. All in. Number three, he gave it immediately when he was asked. He didn't hesitate. He didn't say, pick me all. Let me pick up this. I'll call you back and see that and do that. Or he didn't. He said, I mean, he gave it a So, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting to be asked? Or are you waiting for somebody, somebody else to do it because it's not comfortable? You'd rather them do it than you do it. You know, year 2016 is a year that maybe you've been thinking about how you can get involved and what you can do to be part of it. The little boy gave it immediately, and I think that's something we need. Now, we're incredible, incredible giving church, and we are an inviting church, and we're doing so many things right. I want to share with you a quick story that I heard in Wednesday night, Discovery Group. Harry was talking about an opportunity he had during the holidays. He attended a Bible study, a men's Bible study, a new men's Bible study, and they invited him to come, and it was kind of a a breakfast, if you would, a reception, if you would, and there were 40 plus men there. This Bible study was at the Gaston Country Club. Men's Bible study. Men's Bible study. Reaching out there. And the people leading that are two men that I respect, that I've watched for years in this church leading this group. Randall Field and Mason. So, we are doing so many things right in this church, and we are so blessed. Now, Dave Jensen was 
And I mentioned that statistic, that study, that analysis, that 75%, less still at least 25% of folks that fell in three, four times a month. And last year, folks, whatever reason, elected not to give anything, anything to the church. That tells me we still have some work to do in that area. There's still some work for us to do in that area. You know, Dave was here. He would certainly talk about tithing as a treasure, but also from that standpoint of being chairperson for inviting ministers, because it's hard to say tithing is an act of worship. It started out origin back in the Old Testament days where people gathered up their goats and their crops, and they would take a portion, 10% or so, and they would give as a sacrifice something of value to God, and God would then use those gifts to serve others. Well, that is not a biblical practice. That is the same practice we should have. Unfortunately, churches all over are going through the same issues we're going through. Tithing has changed. Look at your bulletin, you can see roughly thirds of our church tithes.
and there was coffee. And many times, if my husband comes in and sees Marjorie Freeman's car before we get here, she knows, he knows that she's made sausage pinwheels. And we really like that. Even a sausage anymore. And I love that when we come into early service and there's a circle of people with the praise band and Vicki and Harvey and people around the sound system, and they're in a circle and they are praying that in that worship service that I will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that they pray for me. They probably pray for other people too. I love that they're praying that I'll have a good worship service. And sometimes when Harvey's not looking, I turn around I look behind me at the sound movers, Todd and Eric and some of those that are working on the sound. And I love that we have people that come in early and do that. They get there really early. They get there an hour before I do. And every Sunday, I love it when Susan Swan walks down the aisle and she hands me the basket for me to make my offering and she hands me the attendance pack. I love to see her every Sunday. And we get through the church, and we go to the speaker's class, and there's already coffee in our Sunday school room. Aaron comes in early, and he turns on the water, and he makes coffee for me. I love coffee on Sunday morning. Do you come into church realizing that about 50 people have prepared the way for you to worship this morning? What I just described to you is about 50 volunteers every Sunday. That's not even including the ministries of the church. When Bob Crabtree passed away, I thought, when I saw his peppermint tree, if you came in his service, when I first came here 20 years ago, he gave me a peppermint every Sunday. I didn't realize that he also gave me one. Like he was just giving me one. I asked somebody how long he had been doing that, and they couldn't even remember how long he had been doing that. And you know who opened up the church every single Sunday about an hour before we got here when Bob was around? Bob Crabtree. Did you show up an hour early to open up the doors? And guess what he did after the service? He stayed and locked the doors. Do you stay and lock the doors? I don't. We ate it as fast as we can, can't we? Because to beat that crowd to eat lunch. He stayed and locked the doors. I asked Harvey earlier who stayed and locked the doors now. He said it's a teamwork that ties in with Harvey. We do have a team of people that stay and lock the doors. I think about Hazel Oliver standing outside of this Hazel Oliver entrance every single Sunday. You know, she treated people in this church until she was 100 years old. That's a long time to serve, isn't it? There are all kinds of ways for you to serve. If you can hang your clothes on a coat hanger with the exception of my husband, and you can work in a clothes closet. He doesn't hang his clothes on a clothes hanger. <laughs> if you can hang your clothes up, if you can put these parents on here, you can work on the altar service. There are so many things that you can do, and they're listed in these opportunities for service. Um, when, when Todd and Eric 
started working at Bob Lock, started working with early services sound system. It just occurred to me, they, they weren't born knowing how to run the sound system. They just said, I'll go work on this. How, how do I work on How do I turn it on? What do I do? And that's what it takes for us to jump into service. It only takes you saying, will you teach me what you do? Will you tell me what you do? In our challenge form that you've got in your bulletin, if you will take a look at that, we are asking you and challenging you to do these five things leading up to Easter. Now, on that service that I just been talking about, we are asking you for one hour a week. You have 168 of those hours. You have plenty of hours. When I think about, um, I love football. I love NFL football. I love SEC football. Today I'm going to watch Denver. I'm going to watch uh, Carolina. I watched Green uh, Bay Blues last night. But if I love NFL football and I love NFL football, and I need to be able to tell you who quarterbacks are for all those things, and I can, and I can tell you, you know, all about those things. Sometimes we have Turtles tumblers that we buy. We spend all day on you know, Saturday, all day on Sunday, and it really strikes me that sometimes we spend more time and money on a football team than we do in our church. Now, Harvey and me can't necessarily say that, but I can. You spend more time than money on something like that than you do in your church. We're asking for one hour a week. And the worship service is not included in that hour. Got an hour a week that we can do something. So when you think about service, that's your number four. Your number one is prayer. Many, many times when we think about prayer, we think we're, it scares a lot of us to talk to other people about our prayer life. Because as a matter of fact, many times our prayer life is not that good. But we're asking you to pray. And sometimes, you know, that's in addition to you going down the rainbow ground going, help me, Lord. In addition to that. Praying for our pastors and our church and all these people who volunteer every single Sunday for you. Our community, our leaders, our president, we're asking you to pray. We're asking you to be here. If you can be present for your football team, because you're a fan, if you're a fan as a person not a minister, then you need to be here. Mark talked about your gifts. I'm not going to go over that anymore. Talk about service. And finally, we talk about the witness. Um, it, sometimes it's very, very hard for that to witness each other. But you witness every day through your service and, and your presence and the life that you lead every, lead every day. And we're asking you to share that with other people. This is called the trust challenge because we trust as your lay leader and your lay team that if we do this, our church will receive that vision that you sang about, and it will begin with me. Harvey talked a couple weeks ago about God wants more of you. That's what I'm saying. I want more of you in this church every Sunday. And I pray that God does give us a vision, and I pray that it does begin with me.